At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Terror Radio, episode 520. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, joined along with my co-host, Elisa Deratola, that I totally screwed up that intro. Uh, Hello, you- everybody. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. I just... I- what, Leroy what, Jenkins, what, I guess. What do I do? I don't I don't know. Email address, randomtroyatfansite.com. Phone number, 818-643-7227. Suck at what's brewing show. Is I don't know what we're, we're doing. off the rails, man. Jeez. <laughs> like season, we're off the rails. We're, we're rolling. We're, we're yeah. rolling with it. Live, live podcasting. It's fun. Uh, but we're already at episode 520. It's it's feels like we were just at 500 feels like we were just at episode one, but here we are. Uh, 2023 talking about USC, uh, the Trojans uh, seven and four after the loss to uh, Oregon 36, 27 up in Eugene. A lot to talk about today. Um, Maybe not, you know, this is an Oregon fallout episode, but I think it's more so we're going to talk more so season fallout than just looking back at the Oregon game specifically uh Rama Murdy in the chat do we really need to talk about the Oregon game <laughs> I don't think we're going to talk about the Oregon game specifically too much but um yeah here we are I mean I think people are probably way more interested and I think you and I are way more interested in discussing defensive coordinator uh candidates and and all of that jazz so yeah, we'll have, I mean, we have to cover over under and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. 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 But you know, we, we, we got, we got a lot of stuff to, uh, to discuss and more than anything, I, I think the the biggest thing to discuss right off the hopper here is Alicia SC is still alive for the PAC 12 championship game. I don't know if you've seen this tweet from Mr. Lockwood. If us write all this down, if, if USC <laughs> Beats UCLA. That seemed like plausible. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If Washington beats Oregon State. Plausible. Plausible. Yeah. And then Utah beats Arizona. Plausible. Plausible. Yeah. And then Arizona State does the thing that the Pac 12 does so often, which is cannibalize itself and a Pac 12 championship potential winning team losing on the road in the desert Arizona State 
beats Oregon at home on Saturday. Maybe semi-plausible. Not impossible, I would say. (laughs) Certainly not impossible for all of the reasons we laid out last week when we talked about how there's no football reasons, but also Oregon has a bad track record of these so and it's Kenny Dillingham as Kenny in the chat points out it's it's Kenny Dillingham it's I mean narratives narratives and then if Oregon State wins the Civil War and beats Oregon plausible and Colorado beats Utah I that's maybe the most plausible thing of all of these uh, this, this we, we've fall, gone off the rails at this, this point should fall apart way sooner but that's <laughs> where it really falls apart and yeah. i also haven't been able to check the math on this so like i don't know if this is even real or not well there's but, a there's a there's a chart that, yeah but in the chart the chart assumes that utah beats colorado so it doesn't actually show us the bit where usc wins tiebreakers gotcha and that's where it gets like i can't I can't mm. confirm for sure that this is the math, but also, but also it, it sort of does track. So <laughs> you never know. Robert Murray says highly unlikely, but hell you never uh, know. I mean, and Kenny said, Hey, Ray Anderson just got fired at ASU. Uh, so maybe there's some, some juice, juice there. there. Either, either way. I yeah. think you have to make SC a, a, a sleeper pick for the, uh, for the PAC 12 championship game. Uh, which of course begs the question, USC fans, have you heard of sleeper sleeper daily fantasy sleeper hosts daily fantasy prop games that you can compete with for a chance to win big cash prizes. The game is simple for each contest. You're given a pool of props for upcoming games across different sports. And whether you pick each prop, whether it's over or under, you're given the total. You can choose up to eight different props for a chance at a bigger win. So if you want to join in on the action, we've got you covered. Sign up with our promo code FANSIDED2, the number two. FANSIDED, the number two, today and receive a deposit match of up to $100 using that code FANSIDED2. When signing up, not only gives you the great reward, but also directly supports this very podcast. So make sure you use that promo code FANSIDED2 when you sign up. The offer, of course, only available to new customers who are 18 plus, 19 plus if you're in Nebraska, 21 plus if you're in Massachusetts, uh, and physically present in valid states, including California. Hey. C-A-L-I-F-O-R-N-I-A. We love it. Please remember to always game responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Alicia, I mentioned that this is valid in California. C-A-L-I-F-I-O-N-L-A. When did you learn to spell California like out loud? Because of the SoCal spell out. Was it because of that? Because it helps. It it absolutely I helps. I cannot think of a time aside from a school spelling bee, which I know <laughs> that word never was included in a school spelling bee, that I would have had to spell out C-A-L-I-F-O-R-N-I-A. Yeah. But the SoCal spell out doesn't even do a good it is a little. It is a little clunky. Because the SoCal spell out resi- requires you to act like you are trying to spell <laughs> out. Like it'd be like being at a, a spelling bee completely drunk off your butt. Yeah. And going C A L I F O R. 
Uh, how do you spell the Golden State? C A L I F O. Yeah, you, you got to like speed it up you're, as you go through. You're not sure it. what order the Boom. vowels go in, so just, you just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's like when you recite pi. It's like yeah, three points one four five nine. Just add the other. The other numbers are just. Yeah there unless you're one of those people who like i can recite pie to the 33rd place yeah couldn't cool. be me cool yeah. dynamite <laughs> that's that's neat dude yeah but, all right uh we got a lot to do to discuss so let's uh let's get to it huh? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, we've got a game time, USC and UCLA, the city championship on the line at the Coliseum, a couple of seven to four teams locking horns on Saturday, 1230 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, my dad's ideal time, like my dad is jumping for freaking joy. There's a 1230 game. This is like his his holy time. 1230 at the Coliseum on ABC, USC and UCLA. Uh, This week is going to be interesting because uh, it's a rivalry game that I don't think either team is going to be overly uh, excited about at this this present time. Both of their seasons going the way that they are. We will be um, joining our friends over at the What's Bruin Show. Tomorrow night we're going to their place and recording an episode and we're also going to get a segment with Jake that we will include on Wednesday's episode here. So Wednesday night we'll have a, a segment to play uh with Jake, but we're we're going on their show. Uh so check that out uh starting tomorrow night when whenever they upload it. So yeah, 1230 on ABC. Thoughts? I don't like 1230 kicks. I in in my opinion, any game that starts before five o'clock is starting too early. Uh, I would much prefer a seven thirty kick to a twelve a twelve thirty or any other any mm-hmm. other option, but yeah. that's me. That's somebody who doesn't want to have to wake up early in the morning. Um, yeah. For for a rivalry game, I I see wisdom in starting it at twelve thirty because the last thing you want is 
to encourage tailgating all day where people are drinking late, late into the night and then, and then sure. bad feelings between, uh, between, uh, fan bases mm-hmm. create bad situations. So like in that sense, but I'm also not going to be tailgating and I'm not going to be drinking and I'm would not be in danger of getting into a fight with UCLA fans anyways. Uh, so <laughs> to me, ideally we'd be looking at a five or a seven thirty, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, do, whatever, do get UCLA it out of the way earlier. Go to the Coliseum. I don't see why not. I don't know anyone that does. Why wouldn't they? I have a, I have a, a fair, I have a ton of SC family and a decent number of family that the rest of my family do not acknowledge because they're UCLA people. They all refuse to go to the Coliseum. Oh. And, and the SC people will gladly go to the Rose Bowl, but like the other way around, like I, I don't believe our friend Jake goes to the Coliseum. There's a lot of weird resentment over UCLA's, you know, hmm. former home. I don't know. Well, I mean, the the plus side for USC fans is uh, they will be able to watch Washington, Oregon State, which should be a good game. There you go. Or yeah. Kansas, Kansas State, if that's the way they roll. Yeah. You can also say goodbye, potentially, to Chip Kelly. But we'll probably talk about that more with yeah. Jake. Uh, so catch that over on their episode. Uh, and then uh, on Wednesday, I think we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, I want to talk about the other news, USC's defensive coordinator search. Alicia, we've got options to discuss. Uh, the, the job has sort of opened up in the sense that there are new candidates uh, available because Boise State has fired head coach Andy Avalos and Mississippi State has fired head coach Zach Garnett. Both of those guys, known defensive coordinators before uh, they were hired at their respective jobs. Zach Garnett was a fantastic DC at San Diego State. He got hired away. He's one of the names that I think people wanted to replace Clancy Pendergast back when SC went out and got Tyro Lando. People wanted Zach Arnett, but he went to uh, Mississippi State. Uh, Mike Leach got to him first. He then became the head coach after Mike Leach, uh, his timely passing last year, uh, and lasted one season as the head coach. The the new AD uh, in Starkville wants to hire his own guy, uh, which is a big bummer for for Zach Arnett. I, I don't know how you can put any stock into his one year as a head coach kind of thing. But maybe he parlays that into another coaching job. Maybe he looks for another DC job. I don't know. We will see how that goes. Um, but uh, Andy Avalos, the former Oregon defensive coordinator, Oregon as a defensive coordinator in 2019 and 20, both of those years, the Ducks won Pac 12 championships. So he is someone with uh, ties to the Pac 12, ties to the Northwest. Uh, a Bo- Boise State guy for for the longest time as well. So, two new dudes. Any, any thoughts about those two new dudes? Uh, both intriguing. And if if we're gonna talk about head coaches, that I I don't like hiring assistant coaches from staffs that just got fired, mm-hmm. unless they are the head coach of the staff who got that job specifically because they were a good coordinator in the first place. There's a yeah. difference between good being a good head coach and a good coordinator. 
And in order to get hired as a head coach, chances are you were a good coordinator. So I'm very open to these kinds of names. Yeah. Um, Zach Arnett, I think, is really an interesting one because the connections to USC are obvious because of the the Mike Leach um, tree mm-hmm. that Lincoln Riley is, is directly in. But at the same time, also on Monday, uh, I think it was Monday, uh, Brady Hoke announced his retirement. That opens up San Diego State. If I'm San Diego State, I'm offering my head coach job to Zach Arnett. So yeah. we'll see how long Zach Arnett is on the market. But uh, these are certainly interesting candidates for USC to uh, to look at. Yeah, Zach Arnett sounds like John Arnett, so close enough. I think if you like, if someone was named McKay, wouldn't you give them an extra look for it? Except that we, except that we explicitly talked about in the past, don't hire people just because of their connection to USC. Hey, so, there is no um, connection here, as far as we know. No, but, but like you know, we would have we would have explicitly said, do not hire somebody just because they're related <laughs> to John McKay. Like that's terrible hey, there's a lot of people have you ever chat. heard of jk mckay this is true there's sc a, has hired him there's a lot of people in the chat who i think are rightly pointing out that the problem with somebody like zach arnett just right off the bat is do you want somebody from the mike leach tree yeah considering that the mike leach tree has been you know very good offensively but i think flawed in in a lot of other ways so i think there's some valid Valid back and forth, but that's why we have the criteria that we have in front of us to figure out uh, who works and who doesn't. Yeah, this is criteria that we put out there last week. We've made a slight change. We've changed the love to have and nice to have by one little point. Uh, We swapped success at multiple stops and high scoring offense. So success at multiple stops is now a love to hate thing. Sorry, love to have thing. Uh, and high scoring offense uh, experience with being on a team with a high scoring offense is now nice to have. Uh, so the, as we talked about it last week, um, these are the things we're looking for. I think that you should look for in the defensive coordinator. We've put, we've made it a 44 point plan. So must have five points, each of these things, a top five, uh, experience coaching on a top 25 defense. They must be in demand. They are a known talent developer, have a successful track record and a clean personal background. Those are five points each for those things. The love to have are three pointers, previous defensive coordinator experience, being an ACE recruiter experience in the power five and success at multiple stops. You get three points for each of those and one point for nice to haves, which would be if they've won a championship, if they've done, uh, if they've had experience in the big 10, if they've had USC connections, SoCal connections, if they're on an elite coaching tree, uh, if they have NFL experience or they have experience coaching opposite of a high scoring offense all those things are nice to have little one pointers, one point bonuses, essentially. I think we're going to talk about this more maybe next week um, after the, the UCLA game. I, th- I think it's something that I think we could, we wish we could talk about now, but given the nature of the show, how we do fallout episodes and previews and we only have so many hours in the week and we already podcast a million hours. It's difficult to, the, the sort of put all these in here, but um this is this is our criteria. So any name that you mention, screenshot the thing, run the number of points, and see how it is. 
Yeah, I think I think this is a pretty a pretty reasonable way to approach uh, evaluating evaluating these coordinators. And uh, yeah, yeah, we should when the season is over. I think we will definitely do run the numbers on literally everyone we can think of, uh, unless that turns out to be uh, take too long because maybe USC has a hire all ready to go on Monday morning after the UCLA game. We will, we will see. I, I, it's funny cause I was, I was playing around with this, um, and running some numbers. Um, one of the guys that I really like is Trent Bray, the Oregon state, um, defensive coordinator. Uh, and I ran the numbers with him and Zach Arnett. I think Zach Arnett is 25 points and Trent Bray is 26. Yeah. Um, I, I think both are, are pretty strong candidates um trent bray feels like getting in on the ground floor with a potentially really elite defensive coordinator so i think he, he sounds super attractive to me um yeah. but uh but zach Arnett, he did good things at san diego state uh he did good things relative to what he had available to him and relative to the challenges at, at mississippi state uh didn't really get a fair shake as a head coach yeah. Um, which is just it's just sort of part of part of the the way it went um with replacing Mike Leach after his unfortunate passing and then the AD wanting to bring in his own guy. And I think uh the the firing there is not on the same level as you know, other sort of firing on on direct merit. Um but you know, I I think it, I, I'm curious to see who we can like. What's our max points on uh, on any of these? Yeah, a Lendak. Lendak. It's a yeah, perfect. Who's 44. the Who's the Lendak of the yeah. of the defensive defensive coordinators? Because uh, did did you run the numbers on Avalos? No, but I, I think if we if we just did a really quick, just pulling this out of our ass at the moment here, top twenty five defense experience. Yeah. Yes. Um. In demand, I would say, yeah, he he was mentioned, right? Like, I I think that counts. Um, he's he's someone who will get a job, right? Like, yeah, a, he'll get a job. Yeah. Um, known talent developer. This I think is one of the hardest ones to call. What quantifies as being a known talent developer? That's tough because he. I don't think he had enough time at Oregon to really say he he inherited a defense that had a good deal of talent that was underperforming and he got a lot out of that talent, which I think is really, really a good sign. The, the um, talent on that defense in 2019 in Oregon was stacked. So we're yeah. talking about Thibodeau and we're talking about, you Mace know, Funa and, Brady breeze. Yeah. Uh, but uh, was Mace Funa there even? I, 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 I think he was, he was maybe, a youngster, a young guy, yeah. but, but either way he, he only stayed there two years. So he didn't get the full fruits of his recruiting um, and, and development and all that kind of stuff. We didn't really get to see. And then he's at Boise state and it's just a whole different level. That's harder to, to adjust. So that's difficult, but I think he has successful track record when it comes to defenses. Uh, even his worst defenses at Boise state were top 30, um, clean background as far as I know. Yeah. So, um, right there, we're we're talking about what 15 points we'll say. Um, previous, previous DC, DC experience. experience yes. yes. 17 points. Ace recruiter, uh, is no, 18 sp- points. Ace recruiter is split. Ace decisions. recruiter is a no. 
Yeah. It's a no. So when I was looking up guys like, um, uh, you know, Trent Bray and Zach Arnett, those were two of the things that like, they do not get the points for ace recruiter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Arnett has only had one four-star signing in, in his career yeah, as wrong. a recruiter and Bray only has a couple. I think it's a little bit diff difficult to judge those guys when you're coming from a place where you haven't had the ability to recruit at a high level, but I don't think Avalos gets the benefit of the doubt there mm -hmm. having been a dude at Oregon, like Oregon can, can, can recruit with anybody. Yeah. So if you are not hauling in a bunch of dudes at Oregon, I think that is sort of a slight Probably. red flag there. So he but doesn't he get does the points have, for that. But he does have power five experience yes. and he does have success. I will give him success at multiple stops because again, yeah. at, uh, at, at Oregon, he had, he, his SP plus ranking in 2019 and 2020 was eighth and 24th. Yeah. At Boise state, he was 23rd, 28th and 28th. And that is inheriting defenses that were both, outside of the top 40 when he took them over. So mm -hmm. I think that success at multiple stops. Um, yes. Yeah, so that right, right there is what? 24 points. Mm -hmm. uh, has he won championships? No. no. no Big, Big 10, 10 experience? experience? No. USC, no USC connections? Connection. No. SoCal connections? I mean, if you're if you're coaching at Oregon, you do have to coach, I mean, recruit, recruit in, in, yeah. in LA. I. That's one of those things like, does that count as an L a SoCal connection? Yeah. Mm, probably not. Uh, elite coaching tree? No. I would say no. NFL experience? No. High scoring offense? Uh, in the Oregon team in 2019 um, was averaging team? 35 points a game. That's not. I, I would say that's not a. That's I, not a super. High I don't. I don't think that that qualifies for what we're talking about yeah. here. So yeah, we're looking so at what twenty four points stuck in the stuck in the mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of guys are going to end up being there. Um, I, I, um, Trent says Avalos is from LA. So yeah, if, even if you give him the the LA connection there, it's twenty five points. Um, not that like our points are the be all and end all. No, here, no. But, like, but but this is sort of our our method. We're we're doing a method. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I think right now, um. Neither of these guys, Andy Avalos and Zach Arnett, I don't think either of these are the top candidate for the job. Um, I did ask uh, over the the Hithla day over at the Quack 12 um, podcast, I asked him about Avalos specifically in his time at Oregon. And uh, his takeaway was that Avalos is a solid DC, but maybe not an elite one. And USC mm -hmm. should be looking for an elite one. So um, I think that when you're looking at either of these guys, if you end up having to settle for an Andy Avalos or a Zach Arnett, you are, you are uh, upgrading on Alex Grinch. I think that is, is pretty solid uh, to say, and you could do worse than either of these guys, but yeah. are these your top, are these going to be like, this is the guy that USC should go out. This should be first choice. I don't know that either of them are the plus side of both of them. The big, big plus of both of them is that being fired on November 13th means you can have them in the day after the UCLA game and recruiting the day yeah. after the UCLA game, which is not a small thing. Um, is it the end all be all thing? If 
you could get Jim Leonard doing that too, then uh, yeah, but uh, but it's something to to consider. I think the speed of the hire does it is going to factor in because again, yeah, the reason these head coaches are getting fired on November thirteenth is because the signing period signing day is is in a month, and you want to be able to have time to identify hire and then get the ground rolling, uh, get the ball rolling on recruiting as quickly as possible, which is another reason why the December signing day is stupid and detrimental to the sport. Yeah. It's the worst. It is absolutely the worst. So, um, and uh, cigar in the, in the chat says, uh, soccer in the chat says, uh, don't we need a DC by the time the portal opens up on December 4th? That's a whole other thing too, is that you want somebody in place by the time the transfer portal opens up because you want first, uh, first go at, at all of those guys. So it, it does matter. Uh, but, uh, but also I think getting the right, the, the, the best possible candidate in mm-hmm. matters uh, more. So. Yeah. The, the best, whoever the per- perfect best dude is going to be, the, whether or not that guy comes in February or tomorrow, um, getting the best guy possible is the most important thing. But yeah, to your point, like, in, in order of instant in impact, you want them as soon as possible so they they can get the the get started on recruiting and and all those things. So um, it has to you got you got to be quick there. Uh, Jeff in the chat says if we're going to pay the big bucks to bring someone over, does it make sense to pick up anyone uh, other than it doesn't make sense to pick up anyone other than a home run hire, not just a decent guy? Yeah, I I I agree. Well, ideally, I but agree. you also have to recognize that. USC can swing for the home run and miss. Yeah. USC can go to Jim Leonard and say, we will give you more money than has ever been given, more control than has ever been given a DC. We will, uh, you know, give you a private jet and a mansion and uh, we will fund your children uh, with full scholarships to USC when they get old enough. All Everything you can imagine to offer somebody. And he could still say just, nah, that's not for me. And that is, that is a reality that you have to understand. Uh, the, the thing that I like about this search is that Jen Cohen is at the, is at the, the head of the athletic department. Um, and I feel quite confident that she will give Lincoln Riley the, the opening, the opportunity and the resources to go out and be as competitive as possible when it comes to making a hire, that doesn't mean that USC will hire their number one choice or their number two choice. And you got to have a third, fourth, you have to have really good, solid third, fourth choices Yeah, and, and go and go from there. Like you have to work with what's in front of you. And that is a reality. Is it something that, that uh, we have to like, like, yes, I would love it if USC could just snap their fingers and get the best possible defensive coordinator they could imagine, but that's not always the case. So we'll see. Yeah, we we will see. HR Pickett stuff says give Jim Leonard a beach house and buy his old house. <laughs> Is that a thing? Do do people like buy their old house like, and we'll sell it for you kind of deal? Like, is that? I mean, it's certainly. SC me- just randomly just has <laughs> a has property in like Madison. As a person who hates doing uh, paperwork or legwork or anything of that sort, uh, if if I got an offer where they offered to. We'll take care of all of the, not just expenses, but all of the yeah. details, the logistics of you coming to, to join us. I would sign up for that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. I, I, I know that this is true, knowing that you're, you're someone who hasn't done the stuff to change your name yet. 
This is true. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't either, to be fair. I'm just saying, yeah, I wouldn't either. Of my full intention on our on our marriage license. It says that I'm changing my name. <laughs> uh, paperwork will yeah. happen one day. <laughs> yeah. Someday we will see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, what is there to say more about uh, the SC and organ game? We've had a couple of uh, days, a couple of sleeps on it. Uh, any. Any, any thoughts? I don't think there's anything more to say about the defense. So I just want to, I just want to give props to players who I actually enjoy playing football because we didn't really get to do that too much in, uh, in the, in the car cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback who is, in my opinion, the best quarterback that I have ever seen play the game. I've heard of that guy. And yeah. uh, I think we should all appreciate him while he is in Cardinal and gold because he will not be for long. Marshawn Lloyd is my dude, my dog. If if I could convince Marshawn Lloyd to go against his interests and come back for 2024, uh, I would do everything in my power to do that. Sadly, I do not think he's going to come back, and I do not think he should come back. He should go yeah. to the NFL because um, he will. I I believe he will do just fine in the NFL. But dude, dude can run. Dude is fun to watch. I love it. I wish we saw more of him. Taj Washington is a dog. He's out there every single game making plays. He is USC's most reliable guy. And, um, I, I wish that, uh, the, I, I wish that there was just more in that unit to, to pair with him. Cause I, I, I love him, but if he was your second or third option, this offense would be <laughs> stupid, stupid good. And he's your first option and, uh, he's making the most of that, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Austin Jones, reliable, old reliable. I believe he's out of eligibility, so I don't think he's coming back next year. Uh, just appreciate what he's doing. Brendan Rice, as I've said before, I think that he is popping up as a red zone threat for USC in a extremely underrated ways. Uh, that last drive for USC, I wish that they had had more of a mentality to say, fine, we're just going to throw the ball to Brendan Rice and see if he can stop it uh, more often. Mm-hmm. It, a little too too little too late there and also he maybe undercut himself a little bit with some of the drops that he's had this season but i think that i think the dude can absolutely play what what do you think do you think he comes back he's got a year of eligibility if he wants to like marshawn lloyd i would love it i would absolutely love it if he decided to come back i i'm not gonna put any i'm very any stock in that fascinated to know what the NFL draft dorks think I don't of know. him because he's got the size and the speed and all those and things that like I, he seems like a pick that the Raiders would like salivate for and pick in the first round you know what I mean uh but like I feel like he could come back and put together a season where he is no doubt a first round pick but he's also but, pretty old at this point. But and but also I don't know if that I, I, I don't know how important that is. Like I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, um those are all guys that I expect to not be on the roster next year, and so we should give them all their flowers uh while we can. Uh but guys I'm looking forward to just you know partly based on on Oregon, but also just based on the season. Zachariah Branch and Deuce Robinson are going to be 
difficulties for future defenses to deal with. And Bear Alexander is um, the one dude on the defense on the defense that I think you can look at and say, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see him play more for USC. Um, aside from that. Yeah. Um, my only prevailing Oregon game thoughts are, I, I, I think it's, this is my newfound beef with polls, by the way. Um, I want to make it very clear. I do not think USC is a, should be a ranked team. I'm not arguing that USC should be a ranked team. I'm not doing anything of that in the slightest. So do not think that this is what I am saying. However, I do think one of my biggest frustrations with rankings are how they are so dependent on wins and losses. Um, this was some, this was a conversation that I think was sort of, there, there was something that was brought up in the, in the, the car cast comments on YouTube. Uh, it was talking about how like SC is a ranked team. You just lost to Washington and Oregon. And like, there was part of me is like, yeah, but if, but if SC had had last year's schedule and didn't play them, they wouldn't have lost to them. They'd be the same exact flawed team, but they wouldn't be, they wouldn't have those losses and they would be ranked. And like, doesn't that show you the flaw in what the rankings are that like so much of it is dependent on who you've played, not necessarily in a ain't play nobody way type of thing, but more so like, I think teams get so much of the benefit of the doubt by not playing people because we over punish teams for losing, mm -hmm. losing like, games that they should, that they are expected to lose. I agree. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm not arguing for SC to be in the top 25 or anything like, like I, I'm, I'm indifferent. If you're not in the top 10, I don't care where you're ranked. Yeah. Um. So I'm not arguing for that. It, it's more so like just the, the the irony of how like we've just decided that uh losing means must drop and it's like well but if you're facing number five and number six in the country most teams in the in the country literally most of them are gonna lose the last two games like they did uh and by 10 points neither one was a blowout you know what i mean so i don't know yeah i mean this is <sighs> This is the argument for USC to be ranked like 24, 23. I mean, they're ranked 20. It's they're 24 in SP plus all of the teams that they've lost to are ranked in the top 20. Like, yeah. I think there's, if we wanted to have that discussion. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. It's a, it is a pet peeve of mine as well when it comes to the rankings, but also if USC's, if USC's arguing about being ranked in the, in, you know, 20 to 21 to 25, it's then, a, it's a dumb argument then, right. at, at, it's, at a certain it's, point it's that 21 to 25 yeah. are irrelevant. This rankings. Is, <laughs> yeah. My, my yeah. gripe is not necessarily with SC. I think, yeah. I think if anything, I think we can look at it and say last year's team got the benefit of the doubt of not playing a schedule that was as difficult as this one. Um, and this year's team, doesn't in comparison yeah um and at the I, I think we all agree that last year's team was better than this year's team but i don't know that it's as drastic as say the record says mm -hmm. in part because of the schedule yeah 
but yes, I, I think last year's team was better. But you know, uh, rankings, wins and losses. Uh, you know, uh, they they are going to be what they are. I, Can I'm, we just talk about though how USC ranks 106th in SP plus defense? It's it's bad. We we. <laughs> We talked a couple weeks ago about what the rankings of certain things were before the Oregon and Washington game and how I was sort of surprised that SC ranked higher than I expected on a lot of those things. Um, and then the Oregon and Washington game happened and SC now ranks right back can, where can you we, would have thought. Can we also talk about how absurd it is that USC ranks 24th in SP plus with the 100 and sixth ranked defense when you have to scroll all the no, way down to find the next team that is ranked uh 98th like in the 90s and that is app state at ranked 59th overall <laughs> like usc's offense is ranked number two it's 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 wild it is absolutely the 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 next the, the highest ranked teams with a 100 plus defense in sb plus as number 24 SC and number 60 Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the crazy part too is SC is 133rd in special, in special teams. teams. Yeah. Yes. 133rd yeah. in special teams. Yeah. Uh, in part because SC has, I, I haven't seen the number on it, but I'm guessing the worst drive starts in America. It's gotta be They're right. Pretty bad. It's, yeah. it's gotta be, uh, Zachariah Branch's um, long touchdowns, I think, have sort of warped those things. Um, but it, it sort of warped the average, per se. But, yeah, the number of times that SC is starting, you know, at the 12-yard line is sort of ridiculous. And this is why I think that, you know, the the Ryan Abraham argument of just fair catch everything, I think, has a lot of merit. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, when, when you have Zachariah branch who can return, who can score from literally any touch that he has, I'm sort of apprehensive against returning everything, but you look at the Oregon game, the number of times that SC started drives out in ridiculous spots. And we saw that against Washington too. He like, he's not even getting running lanes anymore. So yeah, yeah. And, and it's not like SC's forcing three and outs to get punts for him either. So it, it all is very, very, very difficult. So either way, uh, it's, it's not exactly I, easy I, there. I don't think that's an underrated part of the special teams issue. Like a lot of USC special teams ills could be offset if Zachariah Branch had a chance to return a punt ever. But USC doesn't force enough punts for right. that to happen. So all it's all just kickoffs where the de kickoff decision is, is very, very poor, but yeah. Um, or as West well, Texas Mike in the chat says, it's all diarrhea. There, there's, you know, chat, uh, there's chat comments about, you know, SC needs to hire a special teams coach. And I think you could, I, I, I'm not against SC hiring I, I, a special teams coach. I also think that like, I, I'm okay with not having one. But if you don't have one, then you need to have a very conservative vanilla approach on mm -hmm. special teams. And SC doesn't do that. Like yeah. just fair catch everything. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Right. Yeah. 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 If, if you're not going to have one and 
you know, Shotgun has pointed this out. Like, SC has a GA that they're an analyst. Uh, it's I think he's an an analyst that basically it's for all intents and purposes, the special teams coordinator. Well, that's my thing. Uh, the, one of the full-time assistant coaches should be your special teams coordinator. If I don't need USC to hire a special teams coordinator that is a dedicated special teams coordinator. Yeah. One of USC's full-time assistants, one of the 10 should be the named special teams coordinator. And the fact that USC doesn't do that is a much bigger issue for me than uh, I, the rest. I don't care either way. Cause I think that this is, this is, some, this is one of those things. Uh, you spend too much time in practice. People, then, uh, people get upset. That's, that's you don't, my thing. You like, don't practice don't... it. People get upset. The, you know what the answer is? Just being better. If you're just better, uh, it doesn't well, matter. My, but, hot, my hot take is, um, yeah, just do, do vanilla things, just fair catch everything. And, and don't try to let special teams be a net, nothing, be a net zero. Yeah. Um, and also if you are, if you have better defensive players i think a lot of your other ills on special teams get taken care of because you have guys who know how to have a how to take an angle and get a tackle like yeah in terms of coverage so yeah Yeah. and one of the things that he can't do on on special teams is just the little things Mm -hmm. block and tackle which football comes down to blocking and tackling but uh also our show comes down to winning games of over under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. Coming into the week, I had a nice six game lead. I'm 34 and 26. You're 28 and 32. You needed to go six and oh this week, or at least, you know, allow yourself an opportunity going into rivalry week to, you know, have a good say at this. Uh, your first over under was over under 4.3 USC yards per carry. Alicia, I took the over stupidly, which locked you into the under. It was under by a considerable margin. The Trojans ran for just 2.9 yards per carry against Oregon. Yes, sack adjusted, it was 4.3, but I didn't do sack adjusted because I didn't want to look through the numbers to figure out uh, where to set that line relative to Oregon sack adjusted because college football is stupid and doesn't do sack adjusted as a standard for rushing yards. So yeah, you got the, you got the under there. Yeah. Uh, you got the under, you I got, got the, under. you got the point yeah. there yeah. for, for the under, uh, next one. My first one was over under 7.94 yards per play for Oregon. That's what the line, well, that's what Washington's yards per play was last week. Uh, you took the under, not feeling very confident in the Ducks' offense, or maybe no, more confidence no. in USC's defense. I think you were you had a lot of confidence in USC's no, defense. No, that is absolutely not. Yes, what you happened. did. I think you did. No, I think you had a I, lot of you. You were expecting the shutout. What that's, I that's said what is just that statistically, it was far uh-huh. more likely to be seven point five than eight point than than uh-huh. eight point yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I took that chance, and it was stupid, and N- I lost. N- no, you you are a USC defense believer. A, a shell yeah. for this defense, and yeah. you you took the under. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it was over. Uh, yeah. Oregon averaged eight point eight yards per play, and I have to say, I'm shocked it was eight point eight, not well, higher than if, that. If if certain defensive backs could just tackle once, 
this would have been lower. But instead, USC had, uh, yeah. It was, you know, the the in the first quarter alone. I'm I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Those ten plus, right? Uh, I think it was over that in the first quarter. Um, Oregon averaged twenty point six yards per play in the in the first. Yeah, it helps when two of their fir- two two touchdowns yeah. on the first two drives are for big broken plays because dudes just yeah don't know how to tackle second half sd held them to 6.3 hey yeah, respectable hey. six point that's that's a little bit better 11.8 in the first half yikes uh let's go to the next one you said over under 10 and a half usc missed tackles uh i took the over on this expecting that oregon was going to get in space and all those things you know this didn't hit because um, <laughs> Pro Football Focus uh, has this at 10. So it's the under, just under. You know why it didn't hit? It's because dudes were too wide open. They didn't have to get they tackled. They didn't need to get tackled. Like, they didn't have to get tackle attempted. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's why this That's hit. true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. My second over under was over under 323 and a half Caleb Williams passing yards. That's what uh, Matt Barkley did in 2011 up in Eugene. Uh, you took the under. It was under, not by much, but it was under 291 passing yards for uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I, I not not his greatest game um, by by any means, but I thought he had a pretty damn good showing given that the offensive line was going up against Dorless and all those guys, Birch, uh, and pretty much getting mauled. That's why I took the under, because I didn't necessarily trust the offensive line to hold up the way they would need to in order for Caleb to go off statistically in the passing game. So, yeah, yeah. that came to pass. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you took the um, – or your last one was two and a half. Uh, Bucky Irving rushes of 20-plus yards. I took the over thinking that this was going to be a big, big game for Bucky. Uh, it was the under. He had zero. He did not have a rush of 20 yards. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that SC held Bucky Irving to that. He did have 19 carries for 118 yards on the day with a long of 19. So he came right up, right up to it. And that 19 would have been more than 19 if the end zone wasn't where it wasn't where he ultimately well, he only had 19 yards yeah. to work with there. This, this is true. Yeah. He, uh, he, 19, he only had what four, only four rushes of, of yeah. 10 plus. Yeah. This is the tricky part of this kind of over under though. It's because Oregon found their explosive plays. It just, they didn't need Buck Irving to be the one doing it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last one. I said over under 0.5, 40 yards yard Taj Washington catches you took the under Alicia. I can I do the little like head boop on your 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 forehead? <laughs> it's very what, dumb. like the uh, the Costanza head boop. The, the two times. What that are I you just, thinking? The two times that I just sort of went with like, well, statistically, like it, it just like I I would have gone six and zero oh this week if I had just said screw it. I'm gonna go with my my gut on it, and uh, yeah. His name is literally Taj 40 yard catch Washington. Washington. Yeah. He was going to get it. You knew he had to get he, it. He had a 40, uh, 59 yard catch 
in the game. He is now tied with Xavier um, uh, Leggett over at the other USC, South Carolina, for nine catches of 40-plus this season. Can he get uh, two more on the season to tie Marquise Lee? Can he do it? He's got two games. Can he do it? We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting to see if he can do it. So uh, that's where we are in over under. Uh, big week for you though. You you pulled a couple Caught back. Up. You went four and two. I went two and four. Uh, still a four game lead for me. I'm at thirty six and thirty. You are at thirty two and thirty four. How'd the Rotbots do? Anybody going six and zero? Oh? No. Nobody went six and zero. Oh. It was a week of maximum carnage. Uh, and the race for the leaders, season leaders, is really heating up. We have a tie at first place with G Pats and Vince in uh, San Diego, forty-four and twenty-two is their record and over/under this year tied, right there. Um, it's going to go down to the wire. I'm super excited to see this. Um, third place is Trevor M at forty-one and twenty-five. And then tied for fourth, um, a gaggle of, of, of people. We got Britt Nervine, Stephen Chad, and Pickle. All right there. A bunch of people tied for fifth and sixth. Just the numbers skyrocket when you get to that point. But uh, G. Pat and Vince tied with a three-game lead, three-game buffer on Trevor M. So um, make sure you get your picks in for the UCLA game and then the bowl game because – uh, oh, also the Pac-12 championship game because all those things are going to happen, you know, obviously. Never mind. I mean, Colorado's not beating Utah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, let's get to the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. <laughs> all right, Alicia, let's start with an email that we got uh, from John in Oakland. I'm so glad John in Oakland is is emailing. I was so worried, by the way, <laughs> that you were the the you know we got the email from him a couple weeks ago or a week ago, whatever it was. I was so worried that that we were gonna that we were gonna. That was you know, the last we'd heard from John in Oakland. Yeah, John's a nice guy. We met yeah. him in El Segundo a few weeks a few years ago. Yeah. Nice guy. Uh, he says, "Hi, Alicia and Michael. Thanks for talking me off the ledge with the pre Grinch firing despair." How would you answer this question? Was 2023 a wasted football season, given where the defense was at the end of 2022, with back-to-back losses, the objective lack of improvement in it during the first half of the 2023 season, and its collapse in the second half? I would say yes. And now a new DC and and now add a new DC and staff players having to learn a new defensive system and the move to the big 10 next season looks to be rough, maybe six and six with a new DC and staff this season. Maybe USC ends with the exact same record. However, the season would have been used to install a new defense and we'd be looking forward to watching the improvements along with the new offensive leader uh, in 2023. Instead, we'll be getting newness and uncertainty on both sides of the ball and a schedule as hard, if not harder LSU, Michigan, Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame. Thoughts? Fight on John and Oakland. Yeah, good. Uh, thank you for the email, John, uh, and, and good email here. I think I think your observations are all fair, and 
I think they answered the question themselves, right? It's it's absolutely a wasted season. And it was part of the gamble that USC had when they decided to bring back Grinch after the 2022 season. It was, well, do you really want a new DC taking over in 2023 uh, when you have a potentially a championship window open? Um, and that was part of the calculation. It's kind of like the two point conversion calculation though, because if you choose to do follow the analytics on that front, you have to ignore what happens if you miss, what happens if you don't get it, what happens if it doesn't work out to bring the guy back. And then you're just kicking the can down the line on your transition year uh, to a year when you are, have a lot more questions on offense than going into this year where USC is going to have to be replacing, um, a quarterback and running backs and and figuring out their wide receiver core and figuring out an offensive line again and all of that kind of stuff. So yes, I do think it was a wasted year in the sense of obvious, the obvious, which is USC went into this, into this season with the expectations of winning a PAC 12 title. And they failed to do that um, because the defense was as bad as it is. It is because uh, even if you change nothing about the offense, you, when we know the offense isn't perfect, there are issues on the offensive line. Even if you changed all of that, I think USC is still going to the Pac-12 title game uh, coming up in a few weeks if the defense is uh, is not this catastrophic. Um, and then you're going into 2024 feeling better on defense and feeling like your defense can buy some time for your offense to figure out in their transition year. And instead, it's going to be a transition year on both sides. And that is dangerous. I 100% one hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um that's the that's the gamble that was that was laid and it was obviously uh a mistake in in hindsight for sure. Uh and that's and that's very frustrating because next year is gonna be a challenge, although I'm not at a point where I say like six and six yet. I think that um LSU has the same and bigger questions than USC does on both sides of the ball. Uh, going into next year and yeah uh, and there's a lot of other questions on in, in that schedule let's not say that usc will have an easy time of it but i'm not ready to hit the panic button yet but certainly usc set themselves back by having to make this decision now yeah i i think it's you know next year will be an absolute big test and i think there's a huge range of what could happen for the trojans if if they continue the same way that they are now um, where you look at it, SC has lost four of five. Uh, you can make the argument that they could have lost the previous two before then. I, you can make an argument that if there's five more minutes to the to the Colorado game and uh, if Arizona makes a two-point conversion uh, and if Cal makes a two-point conversion, then SC would could have theoretically have lost seven games in a row. Like, Whatever it is, right? Like, if SC goes into next year with the form that they are on now, looking at next year's schedule, there are there is only one obvious win on the schedule, and that's Utah State. Every other game is a potential yeah, but that's loss. that's acting but, like USC retains Alex Grinch and has a hundred. That, but, that, but this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Year, which I don't think that's going to be not the a case. tenable situation. If that's right. the case, then yes. we're having much bigger conversations. A hundred percent. Yes. Now I think the, the caveat is we thought the defense was going to be better coming into this season because they were so bad last year. We didn't think they could possibly get worse and they somehow found the ability to do so. Right. 
Um, but I think that going in, finding a new defensive coordinator doesn't have to mean that you're, you have this transition year. I don't think it's that big of a deal. See you. I really, I really don't like look at UCLA this year. Prime example last year, uh, UCLA finished the season, uh, ranked 89th in SP plus defense, 89th in SP plus defense. Right now, the Bruins uh, defensively are 15th. All they did was change the defensive coordinator and the, how many transfers did they get? I mean, we know that UCLA isn't like out recruiting SC, uh, not in the transfer portal, not in the, not on signing day. So they went from 89th to 15th with just hiring a defensive coordinator. Why can't SC do the same thing? We look at Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame in 2016, the, the year that was sort of the prototypical, like this is what SC needed to do with Clay Helton, right? When they, when they retained him after 2018 or whatever, Notre Dame goes four and eight in 2016. They changed their coordinators. Mind you that defense in 2016, that the year that, that Notre Dame went four and eight was considerably better. They were 34th. And SP plus that, 20, that year? 27 points per game is still far below what Notre Dame sort of yes, expects. But they, they come back the next year in SP plus and they rake 15th. So they move up 20 spots, yeah. right? Um, I think that you, you can make that big jump um, in year one. You don't have to... You don't have well, to have this big learning curve, look especially the, when you have to take into account the starting point that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mentioned it. SC right now in SP plus defense is 106th. We, we spent the entire off season talking about like the defense just needed to be better. If they were, if they were 50th, SC is going to potentially win every game, right? If they are 50th next year, I think the same thing applies. We know that SC is going to have a top 10 offense. Yes, they're not going to have Caleb Williams, but like this is pretty much the certainty with Lincoln Riley that even if he doesn't have a Caleb Williams, there could be a Jalen Hurts type guy, whether that is the production out of Malachi Nelson or whether that's, Miller Moss or whether that's a transfer that they go out and get because that's what Lincoln Riley has done. He's always had a high performing offense. So that part is pretty much the certainty. If you match that with a top 50 defense, Essie wins a metric shit ton of games. I don't think asking for a defensive coordinator change to get USC as into the top 50 of defense is too much to ask for. I don't No, And that's in year one. I don't think that's a lot to ask for. No. And and it's important to also recognize that if we're talking about a worst case scenario for USC at quarterback, the worst case scenario in the history of, of Lincoln Riley quarterbacks is Spencer Radler, who had a passer rating of 172.56, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3000 yards as a freshman. Right. Spencer Radler. So if, if if Malachi Nelson or whoever it is is, is Spencer Radler level, uh, I think USC's offense, you still have to look at it and expect it to be extremely effective. Oklahoma's uh, average 43 points per game that year. Like, it, it's, yeah. I think there's a lot of doom and gloom about 
the Caleb Williams leaving of it all that is just completely overblown. Um, USC's offense will be worse without Caleb Williams next year. Make no mistake about it. Yes. And the offensive line needs to be addressed. Number two offensive offense in the country right now. And being worse could just mean being the, uh, still being a top 10 offense, which would certainly be sufficient enough to have a very good record. uh, If the defense is not 106th. Yes. And yeah, the, the offense, you know, has a lot of flaws too. Uh, They're number two at SP plus, but there's still a lot of flaws there. Um, but the, I, I think the defense absolutely doesn't have to just have a mail it in season in the sense of like the, the learning curve needs to be strong. Um, Robbie in the chat says you don't go from horrific to good tacklers in one spring practice doesn't work that way. I, I don't disagree, uh, but I, but I also think that you're, you have the transfer portal at, at your disposal. You, no, 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 no. But you, you can go from giving up a million 20 plus yard plays like the ranking second bottom in, in college football because yeah. you have pl- blown assignments, blown tackles, blown ever like, cause because collectively you are all not the, the players are not knowing what they're supposed to be doing and just clean that up. And your defensive rank will improve considerably yeah. with, with very little other sort of change. Um, the catastrophic nature of this defense is because they don't seem to be on the same page at any point and they're bad tacklers. If they are on the same page and occasionally bad tacklers, you won't have an elite defense. But as we're talking about, we're not asking for an elite defense at this point. Yeah. If you get up into the top 50, you'll, you'll be more or less. Okay. You're not going to win a national title, but we're not talking about six and six. Yeah. I I think that, I think there's, a middle ground there too. Uh, also, I, I think that I think there's a lot of over inflation of the perception of how strong the big 10 is. Yes. Um, I think the big 10 is a good conference. I think it's better than the PAC 12 uh, in a lot of ways. I think the PAC 12 right now is essentially like this season. I would take the PAC 12 over the big 10 like it's it, the it, problem is the the big 10's elite teams are the, the, the more, elite more is, is elite. better yeah but if you're if you, uh, like again people are acting like but the middle tier the middle tier is the middle tier is better good. in the pack 12 yes the middle tier is better in the pack 12 yeah the bottom tier i think is better in the pack 12 yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah uh, let's go to a car cast comment that we got from ralph michael alicia what's going on please stop I don't know why you've created the straw man that takes up so much of your podcast. For some reason, you've decided that the majority of Trojan fans want Riley fired. I don't know if it's because you are incapable or unwilling to take on and address the more nuanced and widespread view of fans, i.e. simply that Riley has clearly and greatly underperformed to this point. Those wanting him fired are a fringe element of the fan base. That said, there are many red flags that need to be discussed and addressed. Please stop using so much of your time and energy. Focus on a fringe position. Let's talk about the problems with the program that go far beyond the defense and all come back to Riley. Um, this comment makes me laugh because when we bring up the fire Riley stuff, it is because in our chat, we have a handful of people 
saying fire Riley. It is because we have spent an entire evening with our Twitter mentions blowing up with people saying fire Riley. So yeah, it might be a fringe perspective, but it is a perspective that we are, we're not bringing up out of nowhere. It's freaking everywhere. Do a search fire Lincoln Riley on Twitter and it's everywhere. And it comes directly into us, into this very chat that we are looking at in the moment. Um, in our comments section, even on, on YouTube, we're getting people who are, who are done with Riley. So I, I, I think that's like, I wish we, again, I don't want to have to have that conversation, but we're talking to the people in the chat who are literally saying it in the moment. So I, I'm sorry. I, it just, it, it just, it's being addressed. If one person said it in the chat, we would ignore it, but we're having floods of comments in the chat that we are then having to address. Um, I, I also, I also, I mean, I would also argue that the idea that Riley has greatly underperformed at this point, um, is probably taking, taking a a not new, a not enough nuance. This team, this season, this season is a, is a a great underperformance that is very heavily in my view linked to the decision to bring, Alex Grinch back in uh, for this season. I have not, I have said Lincoln Riley made the mistake there. I, I think we had people getting mad at us for spending too much time talking about the two point conversion decisions, which was all direct criticism of Lincoln Riley and his game management decisions and all of that kind of stuff. So like, yeah. I don't know one, one way or another uh, we're, we're pissing off somebody, but uh my answer to that is like, I want to have the nuanced conversation about the things that Riley has gotten wrong. And I think we are having those conversations, but when our chat is getting inundated with people who are saying fire Riley, we're going to discuss the question of fire Riley. Yeah. West Texas Mike in the chat says, can I blame Bob Connolly for this? I mean, yes, (laughs) always. Yeah. I I think that Ralph's right. I, I think it is a fringe, um, you know, segment of people i think that the most reasonable people um think that you know riley grinch absolutely should have been the guy fired and that right the now the the next guy to to get heat is riley um and that going forward riley's got a lot of things to address and all those things um but yeah but but also there's sometimes the fringe people are the loudest like I, I w- w- do never want, I never want to discuss politics on this podcast ever. And this is not a political opinion, but like, look at the world that we live in so many times. The fringe people are the loudest. I would say more often than not. The fringe yeah. People and so, the and so it ends up, you know, being something that, you know, you have yeah. to, you have to address that way. So uh, speaking of, uh, we did not have a rant line because, I think Alicia, we've reached the apathetic stage of a four-loss season. Oh, I don't, I don't question that at all. Yes, yeah. that is absolutely the yeah. case. I don't we also know didn't what... overly promote the 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 rant, rant line on line. Twitter, but yeah. you know, people people know the number by now. We did get two calls, so uh, this is Jeff. Hey guys, yeah, uh, Liberty and James Madison are ranked above us right now. I give Riley one year, yeah, one year to fix this crap. He's out of here. Beat the Bruins. And this is Tony. Michael, Alicia. This is Tony from Denor, PA. There's a lot of things I'd like to say, but right now I want to talk about is 
quit going for two points when we don't need to go for two points. And our play call on two-point conversions has been horrible. Fight on. There you go. This yeah, also uh, goes in line I mean, with, this like, goes the, in line. this is what people are saying. Yeah. But, like, if if the comments we were seeing were more often like Jeff, where it's, let's see what happens in, in year three, have a have yeah. a response, then I would not have to rant about it as often. Because that's my feeling, well, realistically, realistically, guys. Lincoln Riley got a massive contract, and I do not think USC's boosters are Texas A&M level of let's just burn $76 million. So uh, they do got that Saudi oil money. It, well, USC's boosters don't seem to have that Saudi oil money. Um, <laughs> if Riley doesn't figure it out in year three, I I don't think it's a possibility that that can happen at the yeah. end of year three for the record. Like he's going to get four or five years. Uh, be prepared for that is all I'm saying. I, I I really hope and I don't think that it will come to that because I think that the pitfalls of this season can be corrected um, somewhat easily if you get this higher right. Uh, but um, yeah. if more people were saying like Riley needs to prove prove himself in year three that this was the fluke. That's where I'm at. I, I feel I, like this year two, this year two is the aberration in Lincoln Riley's career. And he has a couple of years looking forward to prove to me that it is that it is an aberration in Riley's career and that it isn't right. a, a red flag of 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 sort of the decline of his of his tenure. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wish more people would acknowledge that this is a massive aberration in Lincoln Riley's career. Yeah, I I, I think that the season if, if the or, if you kept the Oregon and the Washington game completely as is, as they are, full stop, do you do not change a single thing about those two games? But SC beats Cal by 25 points. They finish off uh, Colorado with a 25-point win. They end up beating Arizona by 10. Uh, they they don't have any struggles with ASU, and they, they beat them by 30. I think, and and you look back and it, like, I don't think that this would have been a season where you say it's a wasted year, like like what John talked about. I don't think it, it's one of those years that people are calling for, for Riley to be fired and all those things. And it's one of the things where I think you're right that you could, that so much of it comes back onto the defense, but like those things did happen and those things happen. So you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to you have to address them, and I think it's. I know that this sounds like you know weird silver lining stuff, but like I think it's the best possible scenario that the season ended up completely imploding the way it did to sort of force the change. Because had SC's losses only been to the good teams, and had SC run chalk the rest of the way, mm -hmm. and the defense only been exposed against the good teams or whatever, it would have been so easy to bring Grinch back again because that's essentially what happened last year for the most part. Yeah. Like, yeah. SC and in the year one, you could, you could wipe away the, say the Arizona struggles last year in year two, you couldn't. Right. And, and yeah. of course, yeah, the, the, the thing happened. Uh, as I did this year. Uh, let's get to a CarCast YouTube comment that we got from John. 
It's ridiculous saying Ogeron should not be brought back to coach the defensive line. Is he too old now, or did he suddenly forget how to coach? Okay. The, in the car cast, I said, no to Ogeron ever. Just give it up. For essentially three reasons. First of all, if as a head coach, obviously no. As a defensive coordinator, obviously no. He's literally never been a defensive coordinator. And if you say he has because you've read his Wikipedia page, then welcome to USC football. You have a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> um, the but realistically, there's three. There, there's two reasons. Uh, yes, Ed Ogeron is a uh, is a good elite defensive line coach historically. All of a that good recruiter. Yes, great recruiter. Whatever. Yes, absolutely. Hall of Fame recruiter. But I'm this last time we're talking about this. There are two gigantic reasons why I do not hire him at USC, even as a defensive line coach. Number one, by 2024, it will be eight seasons, eight seasons since he has been a defensive line coach. Eight years. And as Kenny in the chat says, and nobody has hired him. Yes. Eight seasons. So, Back when we had that whole thing about the, the criteria, one of the main points is get someone in demand. Ed Ogeron is not in demand. Why? In part for reason number two. Ed Ogeron was named as a defendant in a massive sexual misconduct case at LSU in 2021. According to the lawsuit filed at the time, this is per the WDSU uh news in new Orleans. Uh, the accuser's boyfriend at the time told Ogeron about the rape accusations against one of his players in 2016. The coach told the boyfriend not to be upset because quote, everybody's girlfriend sleeps with other people. The lawsuit said in 2022, Ogeron, uh, and LSU AD Joe, uh, Aleva were part of, uh, I, I think it was 14 different defendants that were ultimately, scrubbed from the from the um lawsuits but their actions have maintained to be in the lawsuit their misconduct is still included in the lawsuit uh, and that's according to the advocate a new orleans newspaper this is a usc and i might school, add school that like this is a university that has had to deal with way too much of that bullshit you cannot bring ed ogeron who has any ties to any of that stuff. And I might add, that is not the only or first instance of no. questionable behavior by Ed Orgeron no. on that front. So, no, you can't do it. So. Again, going back to the criteria we talked about for the defensive coordinator, clean personal background. Like, I, I'm, y yes, uh, sorry, but you need to hire saints here. I... Yeah. The the people who want to bring up Morgan Scally too. No, you cross them off the list. I'm sorry. You have like no. Yeah. No. There, there are also two good reasons for not Morgan Scally. Number one, he's staying at or at Utah, he's not leaving. And number two, look up more Morgan Scally. Look up the thing. Like, no. Find out why it's kind of controversial that he's even employed by Utah right now. Yes. The answer is no. No. Um, all right. 
Uh, let's get to questions that we've gotten here in the chat. Uh, Kenny says, what would be your ideal bowl game this year? It's anything. It's the holiday bowl against Iowa. It is the holiday bowl against Iowa. Iowa's offense against USC's defense and USC's offense against Iowa's defense is pure crack. And I need to see it. I need to see what that looks like. We're going to get a little sneak preview of it against UCLA this week, but Iowa's Iowa versus USC in the holiday bowl would be the most stupid matchup in the history of matchups. And I'm invested in it. Um, the answer for like you were about to say, Michael is any game that does not involve Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, the, the holiday bowl, by the way, is PAC 12 ACC. So um, it can't be that. Uh, I don't think there is a big 10 PAC 12 game anymore. So the answer is, Iowa, whatever it is that could possibly be okay, Iowa, somewhere but I'm Iowa. scrolling through the, all the, the ties. I don't think it exists anymore. Every, every bowl projection that I have seen has Alamo bowl against Oklahoma. Yeah. And I am saying right now, if USC gets picked to play in the Alamo bowl against Oklahoma, God. I am turning my Twitter private we take and we are shutting off, off comments. I, 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 we have had enough BS with that fan base. I am not. I, I, I am not going to spend a month of my life dealing with them. I, we are, our, our comments on YouTube now are, you can only comment uh, or, um, provide, uh, you can join the chat and whatnot. If been subscribed to, to the show, which if you haven't been subscribed, subscribe now, oh. uh, for 48 hours. And the reason for that is because there are people who are obsessive over USC football, uh, from out of state. And um, it's not fun. It's not fun to have the chat overrun by people. Like we, we provide, I am all for have talking about other schools. I'm all for other schools coming here and being able to discuss, like we are not the, 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 the podcast that sits here and, you know, besmirches other schools and rage baits and all those things. So don't come at it. Like, what are, what are we to you? Like, don't, don't No. And, and so if, if it's, it. if it's Oklahoma, we might have to like put it to where you have to be a subscriber for like for a month months. or something, yeah. which is, it's, it's sucky. It it's sucks sucky for, cause we don't want to like, we want to invite new USC fans to we're a growing yes. channel. Uh, we're, this is our first, uh, this is our second season on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, we've been steadily growing this whole time. It's been really nice to see our numbers continue to grow up and, and all of that kind of stuff. And we don't want to shut out new, new viewers. Yeah. But my patience for trolling is at an all time low and yeah. But, but you know, beyond that, who is benefiting from a USC Oklahoma thing besides the Alamo, well, the, the, ESPN, well, whoever broadcasts the Alamo. Yes, Bowl? I know. Yeah. Yeah. But like, do Oklahoma fans actually want that? Like, because the, the downside of losing that game for either team so far outweighs the win. Especially in a situation like Caleb Williams is not going to play in that game. No, is Dylan Gabriel going to play in that game? Like, you know, like it, it's. 
I, I it makes me sad as a, as a college football fan that bowl games have become meaningless exhibitions. That kills me, pains me inside. But like that's what they've become, and that should not be what is determining like bragging rights for something so petty as this. So no, like I, I just I gladly want to would want to avoid that at, at any at any like and even you know at, what does SC get out of beating them nothing literally either. nothing from be, like no. winning that game is keeps things at a level that's normal with our dealing with that fan base no losing that game makes it worse the month before that game is utterly miserable um yeah I don't want it I don't want it I'm yeah. out uh we'll, yeah. we'll still do the podcast but guys we are not Trent says that Oh, you want it because it's probably their best shot to get Riley. I mean, that's yeah. probably right. Yeah, I, I just. No. I, that's fine. I, Let's we, move we, on. We might take December off if that's the case. Yeah. Um. Not really, but maybe. Um. All right. Uh. HR picking stuff uh, is Bo Nix the Heisman front runner? I think SC's got a SC should get a good vote here, having played Nix and Penix back to back. Um, I actually should get a, a say. I saw somebody on Twitter today say, um, my, what my feel on Bo Nix is, is that Bo Nix is not making mistakes and doing all the right things in a really, really good situation. And I think it is extremely like that being able to be that quarterback is extremely underrated. Um, we should appreciate quarterbacks who do that more often because, yeah, you, you um, not screwing up is is the thing that Bo Nix needed to grow up from when he mm-hmm. moved over to Oregon. And he's done that. Right. He's done a really good job and he's doing a pretty, a pretty good job of it. Um, I think that Michael Penix is a more impressive quarterback. I think Jaden Daniels is a more impressive quarterback and more impressive playmaker. I think Marvin Harrison, the third is a more important player to his team um, in terms of, of, of it's not of what elevating. it's not what it is. It's not an MVP. Well, yeah, but uh, no, I I don't think Nick's is a, a Nick should probably be in New York. I'd be fine with Nick's being in New York. I I wouldn't yeah. necessarily. I would give it to um to Jane Daniels at this point, or Marvin Harrison, or um or somebody. If yeah, if I'm- if uh, if if Penix has Washington undefeated, uh going into the Heisman ceremony, then I, I think he'll have a very, a very strong uh, case, especially because he engineered the drive against a pretty yeah. stout Oregon defense to win a game that Washington sh- like statistically, I don't, I still don't quite understand how they won that game. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn here. I, I think that I want the PAC 12 to win the award. I, especially in the last season, like I want the PAC 12 to win everything. I want Oregon or Washington to win the national championship. I want the Pac-12 to win the thing. I heck, if if Oregon State can win out and force their way into the playoff, give that me that. Really like, God, like yes, I want I want the the Pac-12 to to do something. Um, and I think that this year has been so good that the Pac-12 sort of deserves another Heisman winner. That's not obviously not how it works. Um. I think of the two, Knicks and Penix, I lean Penix. I think Penix is a guy who, when I watch it, 
when I watch football, he makes me go, wow, which is what I want from a Heisman Trophy winner. I don't necessarily do that from Knicks. And I think that part of that is because Knicks plays so controlled Mm -hmm. and he is so, he reminds me a lot of Marcus Mariota and I really like Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota won the Heisman trophy. And I thought Marcus Mariota was the best Pac-12 quarterback at the time. Um, In that he's just so calm and collected and does everything right that he doesn't necessarily wow you and panics has the wow factor. My my biggest issue with Penix, oh, sorry, with Knicks, is that I think you could put a lot of different quarterbacks behind Oregon's line and they would be yes. absolutely ridiculous. But would and they, I don't think Bo Nix could do much behind uh, USC's offensive line. I think he could. That, that play where he, the other day, where he's like, he he's he's not being asked to do that though like he's no pretty, but he can he is he is pretty nimble and he's he can do all oh, those he things. can move yeah. he can move for sure yeah. but like when you're on the move it's a lot harder to execute passes right no he I, doesn't need to be he i agree need to be he gets he, he, I agree. he stays relatively clean yeah so yeah for, for and I don't, I, I haven't watched enough of Jaden Daniels or Marvin Harrison Daniels to, is going off. to have an he, opinion, but he's just going, the off. numbers he's putting on are insane. Like yeah. they're, he's putting up numbers that are rivaling Joe Burrow at yeah. LSU, which is numbers that are video game numbers and never, ever be, you know, close to, yeah. and he's found a way to be in the vicinity, which is nuts. So absolutely. So I don't know. I I think there's a bunch of worthy winners this year. Uh, I don't think there is a name that we've mentioned that it would not be worthy of winning the Heisman trophy. That's the most important thing. And that's, that's the most important. I know that USC has one game left, but there's actually still a lot of football to be played uh, for everybody else. Right. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Rapid fire here to wrap this thing up. Uh, Sav says that a certain point, we just have to accept that there's no real real talent on this defense besides number 90, Bear Alexander. Good players will overcome schemes. See Hufanga, Tuli Pelotu, and Makai Blackman in the NFL this year. Yes, but but you shouldn't you shouldn't also have have to have top three round NFL talents all over your defense in order to not be ranked 106th in SP plus like, yeah. uh, yeah. Bear Alexander is absolutely head and shoulders above everyone else in this defense. But I also don't think that Jamal Muhammad or Solomon bird are bad players. Um, I think Christian Roland Wallace, Kalen Bullock is certainly an NFL aspiree. Uh, somebody who's talked of very highly in NFL cir- circuits. Damani Jackson is a five-star talent. Like, USC is not getting, is not elevating players that we could be talking about as NFL talents if they were put in, in better positions. That is the issue. Um, yeah. And that's the hope going into next season is, is getting more out of the guys who are sort of mid who could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another comment we got from Walter says that uh, Sacronet is not from the Leech tree. He's only worked under... Uh, Mike Leach, plus he's fired all of Leach's assistants. Yes, there's also some, uh, uh, you know, what's what's the word? The semantics there. Yeah. Um, but but to 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 but the he point, runs a three, he three five, and it's- he wasn't. Yeah, Leach went out and got him when he went to Mississippi State. He didn't work with Leach at Texas Tech. He didn't work with Leach at at, at Washington State. He hasn't always been tied to the air raid. Um, so no, he's not necessarily one of those things. I know Kenny in the chat has pointed out that like 
we don't want a leech guy because uh, Alex Grinch has, has kind of showed that you know you've, you've poisoned the well that in that direction already. I get I get the hesitation there. I absolutely do, um, and I, I see that maybe it's a little boring if if Lincoln Riley's hire is his mentor's guy, um, and I think that that's I, I could see the the nepotism there. But I th- I think Zach Arnett is a good enough defensive coordinator that like that's not a bad thing in this instance. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Cardin says, "Do you think Taj Washington will be a draft sleeper uh, like um, Amon Ra, St. Brown? He has uh, a reliable work. He's a reliable workhorse receiver written all over." No, I don't think those are comparable players. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown inexplicably fell into the fourth round. Amon Ross St. Brown should have been a a second rounder at worst. It was a weird circumstance for him in in sort of weird uh, wide receiver uh, gluts and and all of that kind of stuff. Taj Washington, I would love to see him get a chance in the NFL. He's undersized. Um, He's a gamer. He'll go out and play and make himself useful. But uh, if he gets a fourth round grade, if he gets drafted in the fourth round, that will be overperforming his NFL prospects. Yeah. And Amon Ra being in the fourth round was vastly, vastly, vastly underrating his NFL prospects. Yeah. Uh, that's not to shade Taj Washington. I just think that Amon Ra is in another several categories above. Um uh, the talent in terms of NFL yeah. fit to Taj Washington, who, like I said, I would love to see get a chance, but he will be outperforming his projection if he does. Yeah. Uh, Amon Ra was, did everything right. I think the problem with the NFL is they got too worried about the stupid jumps and the, the speeds and then all those yeah. things, the, the combine stuff which was something that Amon Ra was never going to be great at anyways, but anyone who watched film uh, would, or had seen a highlight clip, anything uh, would know that Amon Ra, you know, excels at all those things. Taj, I think is a very good receiver. He's, he's not Amon Ra St. Brown, but uh, he's a very good receiver. Absolutely. Uh, last question. And this is uh spoilery. So uh, if you are a big brother person and you, are wanting to avoid spoilers. Now is the time to hit the eject and we will see you later. But if not, Cameron says, what is Alicia more disappointed in this year's football season or Jags big brother victory? What are your thoughts on the big brother finale? Don't mess with cockadoodle zoo. <laughs> uh, this, this football season is way more disappointing than, uh, than Jags big brother victory. Um, I actually preferred Jag. I, I prefer of all of the outcomes of that final three, Jag winning was my preferred outcome um, because I don't care for Matt um, for live feed reasons. And even though I think he played a better game than Jag did, yeah. uh, I prefer the money just to be like, I, I like Jag as a, as a dude. He seems, he seems like a good dude. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not big mad about Jags victory. Um but the second half of this Big Brother season was up there in terms of disappointment. Like the the second half of this Big Brother season coinciding with USC losing 
uh, like to Notre Dame and having it just all everything's been really, really crappy for the last month in terms of the things that I put my emotional investment in. So, yeah, they're neck and neck in terms of the second half of this Big Brother season being a complete and utter waste of time. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jag winning itself, I'm not mad, um, even though uh, I think he is not one of the more uh, worthy winners in recent memory. I think Jag was far and away the best um, option at the end. Far and away. Not because he won a bunch of comps, but because I think he was definitely the most strategic player in the game in the jury phase. Well, his, um, yeah, but his, if if Bowie Jane had won, I think I genuinely would have gotten a brick and put it through my own skull. <laughs> yeah. I I've been watching Big Brother for 25 years. Watched every season. I was obsessed over every single season. I, I've, I've had plenty of people I couldn't stand, including like, you know, your, your Frankie Grandes and your, your Jen Johnson's, et cetera. I think Bowie Jane might be my least favorite <laughs> house guest of all time. Like not even close. I, I I got I I that's as nice as I can put it. Cameron Cameron said he won ten comp seven vetoes and three o two three o two Yes, absolutely. He's a, a comp beast, but he's a comp beast because they they create comp beasts at this point. He won the same competition ten times. It well, was this a, is the problem with the stupid. A, why do, is every comp the same freaking do, comp? Do a physical movement and match visual things together, and do it faster and than everyone competed, else. And he did it a million times. He, and it's like he's really, really good at that competition. But stop having every competition be that competition. He's look who he's competing against too. Like yeah. yes, Jag dominated the season comp wise after Cam but got voted out. After got voted out. Competing to like yeah the. The only person that I think is on his, say, intellectual level is America, and she is not as physically gifted as Jag is. The only person who is physically as gifted as Jag is is Matt, and I think Jag is just better at puzzles and stuff like that than him. And the other people in the comps are like a a 65-year-old woman and a 55-year-old woman. Like... These these things were built for a twenty five year old guy to run circles around him. It wasn't fair. Like, yeah, it's the 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 show like is the way it's structured and produced. But he it's w- just become such garbage. With like, it, within, kills me within the structure and production. He did he did he did everything. Yes. he had to go out and win those comps, and he did. And Correct. that's why I'm not mad that he won. Um, I just think that so much of this is predetermined by production being completely unimaginative and uh, deciding that their that their show needs to be the challenge instead of what it actually could be, which is a social strategy game that is the worst part of it is the comps and they don't seem to recognize that. So yeah, that's, that's my long yeah. rant about big brother. My, uh, I'm a, I'm a recent convert to, to big brother. I only started watching big brother because of Michael um, and I did so reluctant, reluctantly at first until I discovered the the live feeds, uh, and I've fallen head over heels with 
the social strategy of it all. It is incredible. It is and incredible you've, content. You've seen awful. This is like it's be, terrible. This is like saying I'm a I'm a big fan of defensive football, and I've uh I've I've only uh you know become a fan of USC since 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's big sad, but uh, but yeah, it's I uh. Uh, for those in the chat who say they've never seen the show, here's the problem. I would never recommend the show <laughs> to anyone. The show that they put on television is awful. It is unwatchable most of the time. Yeah. The game, the live feeds in great. the background is incredible. Show bad. You have to just put in way more effort to yeah. get to the good parts because you have to be like me and like, listen to a live feed podcast every single day or turn on the live feeds and watch. Yeah. Cause you're, you're a dork. Yeah. yeah. I'm a dork. And yeah, I, I would recommend that if you, if you have the, the streaming service that's named after the big mountain, um, or it has the big mountain logo, that one go watch like a legitimately great season of <laughs> big brother, like yeah. season seven, the first all-stars and, Go watch that instead. And then you'll see the new stuff and you're like, God, this is terrible. How is this on TV? Which is a valid question to ask. Uh, Real quick. USC Glenn asks, will the Las Vegas F1 race be amazing or a bust? It'll be a bust. It's a big, big, big bust. Big bust. They didn't know it was going to be cold. Yeah. I'm, and I didn't even think about that either. I didn't think about it, about the effect on the tires, but like, yeah, November in Vegas is cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people people think that like the Vegas is only ever hot and it's like it's it snows de- in Vegas, it's dude. It's a desert. Like that's yeah. the thing is deserts are extremes. They get extremely hot and extremely cold. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh we'll 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 end there. Um Yeah. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday uh, with our USA UCLA preview. We'll have special guest Jake Merrifield. If you want to go listen to our guest appearance over on the What's Bruin show, go do that too. Uh, we're recording that Tuesday night. I think it'll go up late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning or something. So go check that out. Um, and yeah, we'll be back when we're back. Uh, leave us a comment. Uh, send us an email, com, and you can always call us. Uh, 818-643-7227 is the phone number. Uh, until next time, remember, uh, London is blue. Manchester is blue. The real blue. Chelsea blue. <laughs> and until then, we will see you. Yeah. See ya.